As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Doing well, Jordan. Free agency is here. I say it every week, but I can't believe how fast the offseason goes. And uh, as we sit here recording on Monday, March 8th, we are now just one week away from that exciting opening of the negotiating period, or as uh, I've heard it referred to before in other sports, legal tampering, which I always thought was an interesting phrase uh, to use. But uh, Jordan, do you feel the excitement? It's it's almost here. The free agency period is almost here. So this is actually the worst week of the football <laughs> season. <laughs> Jordan, you don't, you don't have my same level of enthusiasm here about the free am- agency period. I am just a beacon of positivity over here. Um, but, you know, I think that this is the worst week really in for everybody, for players, for agents, uh, especially this year uh, with so much unknown. They don't even have a salary cap as of 1245 on this fine Monday. <laughs> uh, this fine Monday, a phrase no one has ever uttered in the history of time. No. But, you know, it, it's, it's a stressful week for everybody, uh, for media, for everyone, because there's so much negotiating that's happening. In fact, Rich, I prefer to call Sunday's opening of the negotiation window more like negotiating window. Am I right? Ah, good one. It's a fake negotiating window. Do right. you get it? I get do you it. get it? I li- you, you should trademark it? that. Do you get do, do you do you get it? Yeah. I, okay. I get it. All right. Just checking. All right. Well you you didn't you didn't laugh. So I did. I'm just it's fine. It's okay. It's hilarious. So okay. So that Everything's happening. You, normally at the combine, so much of this deal making and and these phone calls and handshakes and everything happens at the combine, which of course didn't happen because of COVID nineteen precautions. And so now these things are happening via phone. Hopefully, there's a lot of burner phones because you don't want to get caught for tampering, even though everyone does it. Uh, but apparently, it's not allowed, even though everyone does it. And so um, this is the week where all of the rumors start flying. That's why it's a it's a hectic week and it's a nuts a week and a lot of players. I've talked to in the past, just turn their phones off this week, right? They turn their phones off. This is their week of detox from social media. 
they get, they, they ask for like one or two phone calls or carrier pigeons from their agent and that will tell them everything they need to know. And they just kind of try to block out everything else. Cause it's really a stressful time because this is when all of the postulating and last second trade manufacturing and all of the bluffing and the, the sort of, um, inflation tactics start to happen for various players. There's going to be cuts, um, a frenzy of cuts because teams are all trying to get under the cap, which we still don't know, um, by the way. And so it's a really stressful week for everybody, but also one of those where if you, if you follow our, our outline and we're, we might be wrong on some of it, (laughs) but if you, (laughs) but you won't be stressed at least if you follow our outline. Um, and that's what we want to do today. Right, Rich? Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts here. Like you said, you have to start with the fact that we don't know what the salary cap ceiling is. And, and normally that's not as big of a deal because every year it goes up. So you, you never have to think like, well, you know, how low do you have to go to get under the cap? It's always, okay, well, how much money are we going to be able to spend? And now it goes the other way because the cap ceiling is going to drop because of the, you know, the revenue decline this year because of COVID-19 and em- empty stadiums and things like that. So what a strange time, you know, here nine days before the, the first contracts can be signed. Nobody knows what the salary cap is going to be. We are technically in the middle of the franchise tag window right now, but I I think one team has used it because nobody knows what's going on. (laughs) It's it's the strangest thing. It's like, you know, people just throwing darts in the dark here, trying to figure out what that cap is going to be and, and, you know, what kind of negotiating can you do? How much room are you going to have? Never have I, have I seen anything like this. And obviously it's, it's a, you know, victim of the circumstances that, that we've got going on, but uh, Jordan, the Rams are going to have to make some interesting decisions here over the next week or or 10 days. So I, I know you, you've been covering this, uh, with your great coverage uh, on the athletic through our through our app and, and our website, but kind of nice. wanted to t- yeah, kind of wanted to talk <laughs> through this. Uh, probably maybe position by position, probably the best way to do it, just to give people yeah. a sense of of the decisions that have to be made here and and what might be coming over the next again maybe next seven to ten days. Yeah, I think that's a nice organized way to to do it. Um, so that's how we're going to do it. But a couple of things that I I want people to keep in mind as we go through this, Rich, you made a really good point aside from getting your athletic coverage via the website and the app, uh, your other great point <laughs> that you made <laughs> was um, that that it's not just about getting under the cap. You also have to figure out what you can spend because every every team does roster movement and, and a little bit of pruning here and trimming there and, and adding in, in certain places. Um, <clears throat> so this is, a, this is a truth, okay? The Rams believe that if they were to only restructure contracts they could get everybody under and if if they were only to use the restructuring tool not cuts not trades simply the restructuring tool the way that their core contracts on their roster are set up they would deftly be able to get under the cap and be fine right right? but you also have to decide where you want to add where you want to upgrade and you know as much as it was sort of the sexy headline that Matthew Stafford, not Matt, Matthew, right. <laughs> Matthew Stafford is, I, I always almost slip up on that. Um, my sister's name is Matty, so this is going to get confusing. <laughs> um, Matthew Stafford is, the, the, the sexy headline was that he was one, the, the final piece on this roster, but you just cannot expect there to be no movement. And 
Of course, the quarterback is absolutely a crucial area if you feel you need to improve that position to go out and do it. But you also need to evaluate some of the pieces around him. And and Sean McVay said so himself a couple of weeks ago. You know, you can't just put it all on the quarterback. You have to have some complementary pieces around him, um, not just on the the personnel side, but on the coaching side. And so, you know, they're going to, even though they could get everybody under um, by simply restructuring and then be fine, there's always other things to explore. And some of the big things that we'll get to right off the bat um, are the concept of, of like cap casualty cuts or possible trades. And one thing that is interesting about the cuts, Rich, is it, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of cut of true cut candidates, does there? No, and the, the way you can usually the, the, these these websites are, are great. Whether it's it's over the cap dot com or spot track, and and you, you can look at the you know the dead cap versus the cap savings, and and I don't know I, I don't know what their number is to me, but I always look at it in my head and go, oh, that makes sense or that doesn't make sense, and there's no there's there's no specific formula to it, but sometimes you just look at a guy's you know twenty twenty one salary and go, ah, yeah, that that would make some sense, you know, if if it's a, a, a two million dollar dead cap and and they're going to save eight million or something like that, then you go, okay, yeah, that that's a move that makes sense. Whereas if it's, you know, more like 50-50 or 60-40 in terms of the savings versus the dead cap, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And and I don't know whether it's the way the Rams have, have structured some of these contracts or it's just a kind of a coincidence of this year. But yeah, there, there aren't a lot that I look at now and go, okay, that would make a lot of sense to do right now. And and even the ones that do they don't make sense because you you'd be talking about you know maybe a guy like Austin Corbett who you really need uh, and who doesn't save you that much money either. So uh, yeah, when I look at that, there, there's usually some that make a lot of sense to me, but this year I'm, I'm just not seeing it. And they don't make a lot of dollars either, Rich. No, that's the thing. Yeah, you're you're not you're not saving anything really. I mean, the the one that I looked at last year, I thought was Rob Havenstein. That that was a possibility, but. But even now, that that doesn't make as much sense. So, yeah, you, it, it really has to be kind of a marriage of it, it makes sense financially and it makes sense in terms of you can replace that player uh, somewhat easily. And I, I just don't see it this year. I, I could be wrong. But I, I think we I think we probably would have seen it by now. And, and I just don't know whether there's a fit this year. Right. It doesn't make sense, Rich. Or dollars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just waited for you to write that one out. Yeah, just, I'm keeping a count here. That's two. But, one, but to, two. Okay. <laughs> to your point, you're actually throwing darts at a photo of my face at the door, I'm sure. <laughs> no. Um but but to your point, you know, the there are some things that that could be feasible when you when you talk about um, you know, maybe savings if you were to designate uh, a player like Michael Brockers as a post-June first cut, for right. example. Um, there's about a $6 million savings that's possible. But also, um, and I and I wrote in my latest piece over The Athletic, like there's no reason why you couldn't restructure him. In fact, you right. would save a li- like that much money about, uh, just a, a little bit under that much money by restructuring him. You can also restructure guys like Robert Woods, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. All of those guys, you're able to restructure. The Rams can't touch Matthew Stafford's contract until the new league year on the 17th. But you, at that point, also can restructure that contract. And you also can 
do certain things with it, like we had said in the past, like maybe tack on another year. Um, that's still an option. They could wait a little bit of, t- you know, for time to pass a little bit on that just in case, um, just to offer more relief in the immediate. And But the the cuts that you make, they also have to be players that you feasibly gain more by parting ways with them than you would by retaining them on a essentially a cheaper deal that's more cash heavy in the immediate term, right? So hmm. they, you know, you think there's a couple of guys and Jake McQuaid, the long snapper comes to mind, um, you know, a couple of guys who could part ways with them in free agency who otherwise might have been the quote unquote cap casualty. Um, but but it just doesn't seem like they're going to be in the business really much of of cutting guys. And, yeah. and then also th- they're always thinking about their compensatory mathematical formula for the the picks that they so often hit on in the in the third and fourth rounds and they're looking at a lot of opportunities in that regard over the next couple of years and they have to be because they don't have first round picks and so these are the developmental draft picks that they need um to sort of fill in around some of these these core contracts yeah those third round picks end up being being very valuable and they the rams have always been good at doing that math and and you know calculating that when it turn when it comes to letting guys walk it's it's not just that player or how much money they're going to make it's like okay well if that guy walks then uh we lose him but that's a potentially a third or, or fourth round pick coming back so yeah it, it just it's it's very complicated and you can't just look at the numbers um necessarily like a couple of the guys you mentioned i mean michael brockers okay you save that money, but then who's going to replace him? <laughs> and you still have to have somebody in the, either an internal candidate who you feel good about, or you have to go out and sign somebody, which cuts into those, that $6 million of, of savings that you have. So uh, that's something you have to factor in. Or Rob Havenstein, you you could save quite a bit of money there again this year if, if he gets cut. But do you feel okay about those young offensive linemen stepping in and and replacing him? So it, it's a it's it's really a fascinating mixture of of on field and off field and trying to figure out the the risks involved. But um, I don't know, I, I, Jordan. Just circling back to the to where you started, I, I you know I, I think the Rams can get there just with some of those restructures and yeah. maybe even get themselves in a, in a decent spot uh, to to maybe make an upgrade or two. Uh, in in some positions. So uh, I'll be curious to see how those come along and, and who gets those restructures. But yeah, I, I don't get the sense that, that this is going to be a big year for that. Yeah. And the other big thing to think about is, is trades. And that's also where this situation that they're facing and every team is facing in 2020 sort of factors in um, to sort of maybe prevent some of those larger trades from happening. Like, I still think you're going to see a ton of quarterback movement Hmm. and that's going to be really interesting to follow. And on the sidelines, since, um, at the time it was, it was hectic, but I'm very glad the Rams got theirs out of the way (laughs) Um, (laughs) at the time it was a little chaotic, but, uh, it's good that they got it, got it done right away because there's so much unknown, um, as, as the cap and all the questions and the markets sort of swirl around. Are you saying so, you wouldn't want to be covering the Seahawks right now? Is that, <laughs> that seems like, uh, Michael Sean Dugar, who does a great job for us covering the Seahawks and broke that huge Russell Wilson story. Um, from time to time, we'll just tweet photos of, of, uh, drinking a, a glass of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, bro, I feel that. That's, <laughs> I'm sorry. Sending, sending, uh, my condolences over there. Indeed. Um, but, but I just don't think that you're going to see a lot of that. Like, so here's here's another truth. So the Rams are not because they believe that they can get everyone under via restructure. They're not financially motivated to trade, right? And and that's kind of a 
um, it's like a nitpick of a little bit of a nuance there. So, mm. so you, because you're not motivated financially to get, say, a Robert Woods contract off the books because you can restructure it heavily, like you can save almost all eleven and a half million dollars um, via restructure if you convert it to cash. And obviously that puts things on the back end, but the cap's expected to bounce back up over the next couple of years. And, you know, things things will be different, I think, next year. So, right. and, and then you're not facing dead money, et cetera, et cetera. You guys know all of this. Right. But but when you look at the uh, something like, yes, the Rams have gotten calls about Robert Woods. Spoiler, though, they get calls every year about Robert Woods. This was a right. really fun tidbit for me to find because, of course, as Robert Woods has developed since his Buffalo playing days and like really become one of the more underrated guys in the league, of course you're calling about Robert Woods, particularly before he signed the contract. Like, yes, you are calling about him every right. single year. Right. So, um, yes, they have gotten calls about Robert Woods, but what it, it they don't have to um, say to themselves internally, hey, we we're we've got to offload this guy because of his salary at this point. Right. So now we have to find a trade partner. No, instead what they're looking at and this Robert Woods is just an example. I don't think Robert Woods is getting traded. I right. I would think that he would retire as a Los Angeles Ram to be a, quite honest with you. Um unless something insane happens and there's no room for insanity right now. There was <laughs> room for one insane move, and that was the Matthew was Stafford trade. The second one may or may not be the Deshaun Watson trade if the Texans even let go of him. Right. Like there's no, there's really no room for that kind of thing this year because everybody is holding on to the resources that are sort of quote unquote free to them, which is their draft picks, because they know that they're gonna have to part ways with some some players and in some cases some key players. Via cap, via cap casualty cut, via, um, you know, you just can't resign them in free agency, via them going elsewhere when your deals, um, just all of these things that tough decisions that are coming in. So if you're another team, you're automatically not a great trade partner, regardless of who you are and mm -hmm. where you are, because you're holding on tightly to the resources you do have, knowing that they have to supplement the horrible things you have to do in the spring. Yeah. And so... That's that's the thing. It's it's got to be it's it's not going to be financially motivated. A Michael Brockers who yes, the Rams are in the process of figuring out, you know, what what do we do in terms of his contract? Well, restructure would obviously be the first option. Then they then you look at depth behind him and you you look at Ashawn Robinson who's actually his cap number is actually only like 3 million this year and really developed into a a good player um after having to be out for half the season last year. So then you sort of weigh the cost benefit and, and things like that. And then you look at, yes, you can restructure most of his contract. So at that point, you're not maybe personnel slash um, uh, financially motivated at mm -hmm. that point. You know, you've got, you've got options there. But are people offering you something that you would deem worthy of trading away one of your sort of stalwarts in, in the locker room and your, your team leaders who's been with you since St. Louis and like, probably not. Right. Right. Probably not. Right. And, and so I would be, I would be really stunned to see that. I would be shocked to see those things happen, but I would be kind of surprised to see them in most places because like I said, there's a, there's a difference between what's going to happen this off season and what we normally see in terms of the, the the free agency movement and it's it is a little bit chaotic but on the Rams side um these are not 
decisions that will be financially motivated because they believe that if they um, kind of make their decisions via restructure and they make their their room via restructure, then you don't have to be motivated and you don't have to kind of get desperate. Um, you can seek higher return in trades because you're not desperate to get someone off your books, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's a, it's a position of power rather than a position of of desperation, and that's that's where you want to be. You don't you don't want to be known as the team that that needs to make a move. And and I don't know, I haven't looked at the the team by team pages to see who's really in a bad spot. I know the Saints are clearing cap like crazy. Um, do people I, talk about the same? Like, do people talk about that? I I, I don't see. I mean, I see it yeah. at times. I see it as kind of like oh, they just keep moving stuff back or whatever. But it kind of seems like everyone. This may be just my perception. And even when I was in the covering the NFC South, the Saints were always kind of like, oh, yeah, we're like kind of floating under the radar with all of our cap concerns. Well, I still heard about the Rams from the other side of the country. Right, right. Yeah, that is pretty <laughs> wild. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't looked at their kind of their player pages to see what they can do there, but they were way over. I mean, they're like, a, they were like 100 million over or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it is funny. The Rams kind of got all this attention. Well, I, you know, and, and I think that's also a, uh, just a, a snowball over the last couple of years because the Rams, the Rams have been synonymous synonymous with the phrase "salary cap hell," whether or not they <laughs> they deserve it or not. So I, I think it's just a narrative that's existed over the last two or three years. Even though at the end of the day, I mean, there, there haven't been any there haven't been any real desperation moves. There hasn't been any moves where you go, oh my goodness, they they did that just because they have to get under the cap. Like that that really has not happened. So I don't I'm not really sure why that narrative continues to exist, uh, but but it, it does. But yeah, it's just I, I don't think the the Rams are there right now. It's it's a situation where, yeah, if somebody approaches them with a trade and and it makes sense uh, purely as a trade yeah, you know, you look at it, you talk about it, but it's it's not a situation where oh goodness, now we can finally escape our problems uh, if if we make this trade. You you definitely don't want to be in that position, and I don't th- I don't think the Rams are right now. Yeah, I mean, well said, much better said than than my uh, slight ramble that I went on. Sometimes I think that when I talk, it sort of if it were to be personified, it would look like a wheel of cheese rolling down a hill. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that sounds delicious. Sounds great. Yeah, I would accept that rolling into giant wheel of my house. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, well, I think that, I, like we said before, I think an easier way to organize this at this point is is by position because they do have a lot of moving parts, a lot of depth. When you're in free agency, remember, guys, it's not just obviously the big names in the first wave, which is what's going to come out and start leaking the end of this week and early next week um, up into the trade window. But 
but also, um, you know, you're going to get like a second wave and a, and a third wave, then a post-draft wave and a summer wave of post-June 1st guys and, and things like that. So this is where you start to look at where they not only could stand to improve, but where they have depth. And then also um, my piece over on The Athletic, it it sort of talks about, well, would this be something that they would look at in free agency or do we think that it's probably going to be a draft replacement? So let, let's start with quarterback. I mean. Spoilers, guys. <laughs> Did something happen? Matthew Stafford is uh, apparently he's gearing up in all the uh, Los Angeles Rams gear um, and then uh, hitting us with the links for for where to find like the, the Rams Hawaiian shirt on Amazon. So that was pretty cool <laughs> to see um, him and his wife on vacation. in I think it was Cabo. Um, that's where all the cool kids go, I think. And sure. um we're decked out in Rams gear. So that was, that was neat to see. Um, so yeah, obviously the Matthew Stafford stuff is happening, but, but do they need depth here? Now, before this trade, I would have said, maybe this is the year you draft a quarterback. In fact, I was a little bit bullish on them drafting a quarterback, um, prior to this trade movement, especially as it became pretty clear that, that Sean McVay was ready to move on from Jared Goff. But at this point, I mean, I, I'm kind of liking their quarterback's room in terms of the depth. Yeah, it's. I, I think a lot of it depends on how good do you feel about Matthew Stafford staying on the field. I mean, say whatever you want to say about Jared Goff, uh, but but the guy was durable. Um, you know, thumb injury at the end, not notwithstanding, uh, which he probably could have played. Notwithstanding, <laughs> yeah. that's three. Right. Third dart. Wrote that Third dart down. right in the forehead. Uh, <laughs> see how high. Let's see how many we can get today. Uh, <laughs> But you knew he was probably going to play 16 games, whether you liked it or not. And I know a lot of people didn't, but you could count on him. Now, Matthew Stafford, he's uh, he's been very, very durable except for one year. Uh, so how good do you feel about that? Uh, and then you factor in that he's also 33 years old. So he's getting to the age where you start to worry about that a little bit more. Um, so I, I think that's kind of how you have to look at it, almost like a worst case scenario. If something does go wrong, how do you feel about putting John Wolford in there? Uh, do you feel good about that? You know, Sean McVay likes him, uh, but would you are you comfortable with that, or are you would you rather have somebody who's a little more established in there just as a safety valve? Um, I I don't know. I, I I tend to think based on some of these other areas or positions that we're going to talk about. I, I tend to think you keep it as is, but I, I don't know. What do you think, Jordan? You know, I would not be pissed if they drafted in a later round uh, a quarterback to just sort of sit in and um, develop. I wouldn't be mad about that because as it stands, the Rams have Matthew Stafford for the next two years. Could be more depending on when, if and when they get that extension done. Um, so at some point, and him being a veteran, like at some point you do need to start thinking about the the long term outside of this window that they've sort of attached themselves to. Right. But also, you know, I really like Bryce Perkins. And you know, I, this John Walford's their backup quarterback, and I right. think that he has showed that he can be a, a really really good backup quarterback for them and someone who Sean McVay was ready to have in place instead of Jared Goff by the end of last season. Um, injury aside, was ready to have him compete with Jared Goff in training camp if a trade didn't work out. I mean, that's where we were at, guys. Do not forget that. So I think that 
John Walford, look, I don't think Sean would uh, design as many runs for him considering what happened and how sort of remorseful um, Sean seemed to design, have designed that run that um, ended up with that collision with Jamal Adams that got him the, the, the stinger and sort of sat him out for the rest of the year. But, but in any case, I also think that the way that John Walford ran the offense and what we saw in terms of how the plays developed, that showed a little bit of a blueprint of what Sean McVay wants to do with Matthew Stafford. And so when you have guys who are similar, like they're not identical, obviously, but in terms of um, moving in the pocket and in terms of finding throwing lanes and in terms of um, being able to freestyle a little bit and and really extend plays and and help plays develop downfield, like mm-hmm. that's that's what they're looking for, right? Yeah. So I think it's it's okay. You're you're not facing a catastrophic scenario. I'm not going to jinx anybody, but you're whatever happens, you're not facing a catastrophic scenario. You're just facing um, kind of like a oh damn it <laughs> scenario, right? right. Um, so, but but then behind, like as developmental guys, so I really, really like Bryce Perkins. Um, Bryce Perkins can throw the damn football. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some change of pace packages even installed with him in 2021. If he's active a couple of times, would not be surprised to see that. Um, so I, I think they like him as a developmental guy as well. And then you need a camp arm too. And so Devlin Hodges, also a guy who can move around in the pocket a little bit. Um, and so he, he provides another camp arm. And so I think that that's, they're all, all these quarterbacks are sort of in similar styles to what Matthew Stafford, what Sean McVay wants to do with Matthew Stafford. So I think that sort of points you toward, they feel like maybe they're set there right now. Um, I, I still think though, you know, long-term you always have to have one eye on the long-term. So if, if not this year, um, maybe next year is when they start sniffing around a little bit more. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I, I honestly haven't looked too closely at the quarterback classes, what's coming up next year uh, to see, you know, what it's a good class. It's a very good, the class. 22 class. Yes. Okay. And it's a deep, I think it's a deep class. There you too. go. So that, I think yeah. that's the answer right there. I mean, if, if you feel comfortable and I, and I think they do, then uh, maybe you push that a year and then uh, start, start eyeing your, your guy. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. All right. So what about receiver? And the, the Robert Woods question came up earlier. So hopefully um, that helped provide a little bit of clarity, but, but what do you think in terms of receiver? Cause we know that, that Sean McVay really talked about wanting to uh, highlight and complement the explosive plays. And so that's going to be a combination of catch and run plays and yards after catch plays that we know Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are so good at. But then also the air yards explosives that Matthew Stafford is very good at and his penchant for explosive throws and and, um, something we did not see last year. So that usually would point to adding a little bit of, of vertical speed in the passing game. Yeah, th- this is fascinating to me, Jordan, and and I I don't know whether you and I totally agree on this, and I kind of hope we don't because I want to give people a little bit of a different perspective. But obviously, we know Woods and and Cupper there. Uh, Josh Reynolds, free agent, looks like he'll be he'll be moving on. I I don't really see a scenario where he comes back. Um, I don't think Simba Webster is that guy that we're talking about. Who's who's going to fill that role? He could be, but I, I just really don't see it happening. Um, which brings me to Van Jefferson. And I 
I I understand why Van Jefferson got drafted last year, and I I think he's a very good receiver, has the potential to be a good NFL receiver, but where does he fit right now? Because I I don't necessarily see him being that guy who steps in to to fill that role that we're talking about with that exact skill set that we're talking about. But if he's not that guy, and if they need to bring in somebody else, whether it's through the draft or free agency, what does that mean for Van Jefferson? Because now you're talking about potentially being in the mix as a as a three slash four receiver, um, and also with tight end Tyler Higby in there in the mix. I I I'm a little less rosy, I think, on on Van Jefferson's future with this team. But but what's what's the scenario here where he's he's a big part of this? Yeah, so this is kind of a Rorschach test in like whether you're an optimist or a pessimist, right? Because like <laughs> if you look at the Rams receivers room, you're like, oh, cool. And if you're an optimist, you're like, oh, cool. All those guys uh, are super versatile and they all do a bunch of different things. And in that way, I can create a complementary receivers room because I can just assign them into different roles on any given snap. And that means that someone can get downfield um, and this person Pro, you know, in the Rams' minds, probably Van Jefferson, and I can I can have you know a versatile sort of rotation of guys because they can all do the things that I need them to do right. at various times and complement. So that's if you're an optimist. If you're a pessimist, you're looking at the Rams' receivers room. And you're like, all these guys are the same. <laughs> right. Like we need we need something different. We need uh, like a true you know deep threat. We need. Um, you know, just just di- a different skill set than than what these guys have. And like, I tend to be an optimist, right? So I'm kind of looking at it as like, I think it's going to be more of how they, how Sean McVay uses these three guys right. um, in complement, because I think there's an opportunity here to sort of exploit Van Jefferson's versatility. And I think, I, I do believe he can get downfield, um, and get downfield well, not just because of, you know, top end speed or or track, you know, track speed, right. but because of the way he can come off the line um, and win immediately off the line of scrimmage. And then some of the route running that he does is is really sharp. And so I, I think that he still and, and and, you know, the Rams still drafted him knowing that they weren't going to retain Josh Reynolds. And so, you know, maybe he can maybe he can step into a little bit more of a a role in that regard. Um, at the same time, I I do think that they should get a guy who is who's really interesting speed wise. Like I, I don't necessarily believe that you need a guy who just runs go routes. Like I, I'm not really into that. Right. I think that you you want maybe if you're a Sean McVay, you're looking at like gadget guys. Like there's no way that they could afford uh, to get like a Curtis Samuel in free agency. Right. But I'm looking at that kind of player, a guy who um, can, you know, catch passes out of the backfield, um, you know, do the reverses and really be a threat in the reverse game and the motions. And then also, you know, if he takes a couple carries and change of pace packages, can also get vertical um, extremely well and easily. Um, But but that's, you know, you could you maybe could find that guy in the draft because you don't have the resources for the high dollar target like. My sense on where the Rams are at when it comes to receiver is like you're probably looking at two to four million per year. So that rules out several guys, including I know popular name has been Marvin Jones. It would be like downright rude of us (laughs) as human beings 
to ask Marvin Jones to take two million just because he wants to win, you know, maybe win a championship with Matthew Stafford, right. like that, like these guys, let them make a living. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. you know what I mean? This is just the reality of where the Rams are at. And and that's fine. There's there's options for them. Um, there are options in free agency. I think there are more, maybe um higher upside, long-term upside for the Rams if they if they look for like maybe a a gadget guy who can really get vertical very, very quickly um, in the draft. Because again, I do think that there's an opportunity for them to really utilize these guys truly in complement because they can do multiple things. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that the draft is the way to look here. It's funny, Jordan, when you were talking there, it struck me. And Rams fans are going to probably spit out whatever meal they're eating right now when I say this, but they, they almost need like a Tavon Austin kind of kind of guy who can who can <laughs> do a lot of those things. And I know, Jordan, you, you mentioned in your latest piece, too, um, also could be the answer for the return specialist. Uh, right. a job is is something you also have to to look at there. So yeah, it's don't you you can you can get caught up in in Marvin Jones and some of these bigger names, but I really don't think that's the fit. I mean, could you find somebody in in bargain free agency who might take that two million or two and a half million or whatever it is? Yeah, you you maybe could, but I, I tend to think the the draft is is the way to to look there. And um, yeah, I, I just. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure what that means for Van Jefferson. I, I think there's certainly uh, a, a way to get him involved, but uh, when you talk about you know Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup and and how much uh, you know how big a part of that offense that they are, um, and I, I know we'll get to the running backs too, and, and some of the things that they can even do in, in the past game. And I know that's a that's a pet project of yours, Jordan, for for a while to get those uh, <laughs> those backs in, involved in the past game. So I, I don't know. I, look, at the end of the day, it's it's a good problem to have if you have if you have at least three quality receivers who are, are very versatile and can do a lot of different things. Uh, that's nothing you you turn your nose up at. That's for sure. I, I just wonder what it means for for Van Jefferson. Yeah, and and the other thing is like I I think the conversation this week is all is like centered around oh teams are you know making calls on Robert Woods again like they do every single year yeah but I personally would absolutely not want to hustle a guy who you know had a thousand yards two years ago like what nine hundred thirty yards this past season ten and a half yards per catch six touchdowns. Like I'm and that's when the offense is like flailing. That's when right. they're turning the ball over. That's when they're struggling. Like I'm not hustling that guy out the door. No. And, and right? that contract. I, I'm not trying to. And, mm. and, and like and, and it's not like I think you were about to say it's not a long contract. No. And it, you it's can, also you can friendly. restructure all of it. Yeah, yeah. It's also very friendly once you get uh, even when you look at the, the long term, the dead cap and things like that. Uh, if that contract ends up going sideways on you in a year or two, you can get out of it very easily. So it's not a situation where it's like, oh, let's get out of this contract before uh, before it turns sour on us. That it's not that case at all. No, and and like he's proven that he's not. I mean, anything can happen every year, injuries, whatever. But like right. he's not regressing. No, just because he he's very slightly lower in like targets and st- and yards and you know whatever this year. That's more indicative of what I believe the failure of the Rams offense was as a whole, because I think that 
Robert Woods and Cooper Cup should have both gone over a thousand yards. And obviously Cooper Cup missed a game, but but both of those guys should have gone over a thousand yards. I mean, yeah. you even had your number three, Josh Reynolds, you have him at 618 yards. Imagine if you're throwing the ball downfield more. Imagine <laughs> what that number is. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I- I'm serious. I I really think like I, I have no issue if with them like wanting to tweak and upgrade here and there. And I think that having Van Jefferson come in um, over like uh, 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 Josh Reynolds departing in free agency, and then you're also throwing the ball downfield more, and then you're also um, offering more layers than you were last year, and you also have a more advanced running game that does help your offense in many, many ways, get you into the passing concepts that you want to get into. Like, this to me is not a problem. <laughs> like, right, I agree. I, but but at the same time, I hold this second truth in my brain at the same time, which we, we love to do on this podcast, which is I I would like to see them add some vertical speed, but I'd like them to see I'd like to see them do it via um, someone who is maybe a long term potential upside who they can sprinkle in as a threat, um, you know, and not completely, uh, you know, so, someone who they're they're getting a long term higher upside return because they're not, you know, spending 8 million, 6 million, 7 million on right. a guy coming in. Like like I don't think they're going to go over 6 million. Like they if 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 they could, they could get the friendliest contract ever, I don't think they're going to go over 6 million on your receivers. Right. So you have three pr- guys who've proven that they have potential in your offense. Well, what we know about the Rams is they usually will take proven proven upside over um you know, in terms of where they're investing their resources, proven upside over maybe right. a couple of unknowns. And then, you know, you have your your possible draft pick here, which is like costing you very little in terms of your resource allocation because he's probably coming in like the fourth or fifth round. And and so, you know, what's, you know, I, I don't really see the harm in that, no, honestly. No. And I also don't, I don't like the idea of trying to hustle Robert Woods out of town. No, like, no, I don't like that. No. And the Rams aren't doing that, by the right. way. They're, they're, you know, they're getting calls like they always do, but they are by no means sitting there thinking like, oh, yeah, you know, like, let's entertain this. Like, it's, it, you know, crazier things have happened. If if a team came to them and was like, hey, take a, a first round pick and, um, you know, then you'll also have some cash. And but like teams aren't going to be offering first round picks. Right. Right. They're just not no, no, no. like they they need them this year, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. unless you're the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> then you never need them. You then n- you just don't. Then they don't even exist in your vocabulary. No, no, no. You just cross that line off at the start of every year. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's interesting uh, what what's going to go on. I'm looking maybe third or, or fourth round for that. that that's my uh, I think maybe you can get somebody quality there who doesn't certainly doesn't need to be your number one receiver or even your number two receiver on this team, uh, but but has some skills that that complement those guys. So I, I, I'd be surprised if it happened in, in free agency, but who knows? I mean, maybe maybe Sean's eyes gets get big and and Matthew Stafford's eyes get big and and they see you know a potential. But I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't bet on it, Jordan. But uh, do we want to do we want to look at running backs? Um, this is an, an interesting. Um, you know, obviously Cam Akers just comes in last year. Uh, Daryl Henderson, two years ago through the draft, Malcolm Brown set to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, Jordan, I, I go in thinking that you try to run this back. No pun intended. Sure. Maybe I should put one down for myself. <laughs> there. Um, but uh, where's my dart? Yeah. I need a dart. Okay. Um, I, I it, it did not work in 2020 
exactly the way that we thought it was going to work. But I think the potential is there. Uh, I, I think when it when it did work, it looked really good. And I, I'm just wondering if if you're the Rams, if if you look at that you know three three back mix and think, ah, I'd like to give this another shot and see how this looks because I think there's some potential there. You know, I think it's okay. I think that it, especially with Cam Akers' improvement, like he'll continue in that lead back role, and then you're going to get like some sprinkling of complimentary snaps with probably Daryl Henderson and and maybe even Xavier Jones, especially in sort of your speed packages. And then also um, Matthew Stafford likes to throw to running backs, although that a lot of that's dictated by personnel and the way that, you know, what his resource allocation was in terms of who he could throw to and, and all of that. But right. that aside, historically, throw, he throws like a little over 20 percent um, to running backs. So maybe you work them in the passing game more. Maybe you do a couple more like two back sets, which I love. And I know they're just yeah. out of style and just not the thing to do anymore, but I don't care. I still like them. <laughs> and I especially love the idea of cam makers in the passing game as well. Um, but then I think you, you also like if Malcolm Brown wants, d- doesn't want to test free agency in like a really, um, sort of terrible time to be, a, especially a veteran free agent at a position that teams are not paying anymore. Um, and then you want to come back on a team friendly deal. Like that's, that's ideal for the Rams. I think, Yeah. I mean, Malcolm Brown, like everyone loves him in, in that locker room, um, yeah. really been a great mentor for, for cam makers. And, um, you know, especially with them maybe having that first year and there's injuries and all of this sort of inconsistency that was happening, so maybe having that first year under them, like I think we could see some really neat things out of this running backs room. And so I would not mind at all um, bringing back Malcolm Brown. And then you have like a guy like Johnny Munt, who I believe is a restricted free agent who you could bring back to be like some like one of your heavies, right. um, like in a fullback role. And especially we'll get to this, but you're probably going to lose Gerald Everett. So like you, you need some blocking help and all that. So Malcolm Brown would be good for that, in my opinion. Yeah. The only thing that concerns me a little bit is just those injuries. You know, I mean, you don't you don't know whether it was just a kind of a one off. I mean, Cam Akers stuff, obviously he falls on the ball and, and tears rib cartilage. You can't that that's not something that you think of as somebody being injury prone. That's that was purely an accident. And then an ankle injury. Look, ankle injuries are going to happen. So I, I'm inclined to write him a little off a little bit uh, more in terms of being injury prone, things like that. Daryl Henderson concerns me a little bit more just because he he his tendency here the last couple of years he just he picks up those little knickknack injuries that 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 sideline him for a bit. And and when you've seen it two years in a row, um, it just it gives me a little bit of concern. So I, that's why I almost think bringing Malcolm Brown back makes even more sense because you know what you're going to get. He's been around forever. Um, you know, he knows the system. He's a great blocker. He's a great guy in the, in the locker room, team leader, all of that stuff. So, uh, you know, maybe you can go out and, and find somebody who can fill that, fill that kind of role. But I, I don't know whether you're going to do it at any great savings. And I don't know whether you're going to find somebody who's really that much of an upgrade over Malcolm Brown. So all those things considered, I, I think it probably makes sense to bring him back as that, if, if nothing else, then is that safety valve kind of option. Yeah. And I'd like to see a little Xavier Jones this year. Yeah. I mean, I think he, I, I really liked his, his training camp that he had. Obviously the Rams are so high on him and he stuck to their roster and everything and um, just never really got opportunities this year and crowded room and all of that. But um, yeah, I'd like to see him worked into the the rotation a little bit. And yeah, like you said, it, there's not really much harm in 
um, financially and, and bringing Malcolm Brown back. And you, you probably get the upside of, of, you know, having someone with his character in, in the locker room and as your younger backs, like just continue to grow. And, um, you know, I just think that there's, there's positives for that. Like I wouldn't call him a priority free agent for them, but if, if he's willing to come back on a something friendlier, um, you know, we'll see. And I think that, I think that especially as a blocker and like how he, pass protects and can read some of that stuff. I think that'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I skipped over tight ends, didn't I? How could I? You know. Much much like the Rams offense at Much times. like the Rams. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> I skipped much, over much the tight like ends. The, much like the 2020 Rams. Yeah. Yes. They were hidden in the, they were hidden uh, amid all of our blocking. Uh, right. But yeah, I think it's like offensive line and tight end can go kind of hand sure. in hand because because like you know like i don't see them moving on from tyler higby uh by the way they are not involved in trade talks for zachary Ertz. Oh my <laughs> um that was another thing i saw on twitter like some speculation and like we gotta stop you know we 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 not everybody's a fit for the rams uh right the rams are the rams are not in trade talks uh for for Zach Ertz. Uh just want to put what that What a dream there. killer you are. I know. Yeah. I'm just throw another dart. I am the worst. <laughs> I but, I'm just going full Monday on everybody's ass. Like yeah. that's that's the worst. Um but then Gerald Everett becomes an interesting case study, Rich, don't you think? Yeah, I I was just thinking about that how we've pretty much just considered for a full year now that Gerald Everett isn't coming back. I mean, it it almost seems like it's just everyone has accepted it and really I don't think Jordan, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I never really have gotten any pushback from from Rams people about that. The idea that uh, let's put it this way, I haven't heard anybody come out and say, well, yeah, we might bring him back. <laughs> it just it just kind of seems like everybody understands that uh, that it's not going to happen, that it's that it's time to move on. And, and I think that probably is uh, the case. I, I certainly think Tyler Higby is the guy. Uh, that you build around there with that tight end spot. And and then you, you look at uh, uh, player X, right? Our, our good friend, uh, Bryson Hopkins, who it's time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you look at the skill set when, when they drafted Bryson Hopkins and you looked at a role that he could fill in that offense, you thought of Gerald Everett and, and they, they were redundant at the time. And, and that's probably why Bryson Hopkins, you know, didn't get on the field last year, but uh, if you if you let Gerald Everett walk, then it's there's certainly an opportunity there for for Bryson Hopkins to step in. So you mentioned Johnny Munt too. I think there's value there. Very very different type of player, uh, but but has had some great value for the Rams in, in limited use over the last couple of years. So I don't know. I don't. Yeah, the the Ertz talk. Look, it's it's there's always going to be fun with it, but but I don't necessarily see there being anything uh, any big moves here unless you, unless you consider Gerald Everett walking away to to be a big surprise. Well, and I don't, but I think that um what a, like it's been, it was such an interesting line that they walked with him um because on the one hand you have like you're not you're not accepting trade calls like teams tried to trade for him earlier this year right. um before the deadline and or they were like making calls on him. And however serious those could have gotten, I don't know. But but they, there was definitely interest, and the Rams were like, "No, we're not trading him." Right. And um, so you're because you because you needed him more than a trade return would get you, but you still did not commit to extending him, right? So that's a very thin line to walk with a player. 
And um, so he was an interesting study to me. I think he made himself some money um, this year. I know there were some issues with contested catches and a couple drops, but like I, I do think he made himself some money, particularly when they roll him out in that fullback package. Like you can really see the versatility that he has. So, you know, I think that like only if something just weird happens and the tight end market completely tanks out, um, that's in that case, you maybe circle back around and do a one year or something like that. But like, right. no, I don't, I, I, I'm not surprised by this, but, but then you, you know, you think about, will they be, uh, have enough continuity and have enough sort of, um, stability on the offensive line to where we can actually maybe see the tight ends running some routes <laughs> out mm, there yeah. because you don't desperately need them in line for blocking help. Yeah, I, it is very – the potential is there. And and I think that was kind of what was frustrating about Gerald Everett at times because uh, the, the potential was there too. And, and he had that great skill set and some of the catches that he made – uh, and his ability to get down the field, I, it, just the consistency wasn't wasn't quite there, and, and I think that probably factored into you know maybe why he wasn't as big a part of that offense as maybe some people thought he could be. So uh, you know it it just seems to make sense. And then look, Bryson Hopkins, very intriguing talent to to see how he might be able to step in and and, and fill some of that that role. But yeah, I, I don't. It, it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're talking about with the receivers too. You know, how is this offense? going to look uh who's going to have Matthew Stafford's trust out there I mean these are things that we're really not going to know until they they get on the field but uh but yeah I I, I would anticipate uh, Gerald Everett finding a new home and like you said I, I think he can do well for himself and and that skill set is definitely there um he just probably needs to, to put it all together with some consistency so the major possible resign here um and kind of a hinge like We'll learn a lot about the Rams' plans, not only with their new staff, but also um, in free agency, obviously, and and what they would do in the draft. We'll learn a lot about them based on whether or not they resign center Austin Blythe. Yeah, I, I think so too, uh, and that that's a really, uh, I, I think it's an important one, and and I really think yeah. that um, it's it's a good idea to to bring him back. I I, I don't necessarily see him getting a huge raise. So you don't necessarily have to worry about that. But if you don't do it, then maybe you can look at free agency. Uh, maybe you can look at the draft. Maybe you give Brian Allen a another look a couple of years after that didn't quite work out. But I just don't see the need to make a change there. And, and we started off the episode, Jordan, by talking about the Rams not being in a position where they need to make moves based on finances. If this is a situation where you looked at it and just said, well, can't afford Austin Blythe, can't afford to pay him that, have to go with a rookie or have to go with a, a lower priced guy, then I would kind of understand it. But I, I don't think they're in that scenario right now. And I, I just think it's too important to, to have him there in that spot. So I frankly, I'm, I'm a little surprised it, it didn't happen earlier. But uh, but I, that's to, I, I agree, Jordan. I think that's a real hinge and, and a real uh, a glimpse in, into what their plans are. And, and frankly, I, I think it would be a mistake. I'm not saying give the guy, you know, three or four years or something like that. But uh, but I, I think it would be a mistake not to at least bring him back for next year, or maybe even the next two years. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, because the other part of that, Rich, is like, and I agree with you, is like the other part of that is I don't believe that you, that it's smart, especially with a new offensive line coach um, in your system. I don't believe that it is a smart decision to then come and, and say, okay, I'm going to draft a center. And that's like, that's what I have to do. I have to draft like Creed Humphrey or um, another one of these really promising centers, right. which you, you won't be able to do it until deep in the second round. The good news for the Rams is it's a really good interior offensive lineman class. And it's also a good tackle class and it's deep yeah. in both phases. So like, here's the best case scenario in my mind is you, you re-sign Austin Blythe, um, and again, he's not going to be a like market-setting center for them. Right. Um, he he's going to be someone who's very reasonably, you know, he's not going to he's not going to like get them to just like completely shake out their wallets. Like he's mm. he's around that sort of two to three tier financially, where um, you you kind of can see that's where he'd fall. So I think that's I think that's okay. But I like a veteran playing with Matthew Stafford much more than I like a rookie playing with Matthew Stafford. And this is no knock on young guys and really promising guys who are in this draft class. It's just like one of the hardest positions in football to play. (laughs) And at the NFL pace and in the NFC West, like where all these rushers are coming, like, and you have to call out everything and make your checks and, and everything. And like, and yeah, you have Matthew Stafford, who's like a veteran set of eyes there, but you really have to make sure the center and the quarterback are, are in sync. And so having some experience there is really important. Um, And I think, you know, I think Austin Blythe like gets the job done in that regard. Right. And then the way that, that, Matthew Stafford can move around his pocket. You're not seeing like a freaking emergency every single time pressure comes up the middle, <laughs> right? Like I think you're like you're not like shield your eyes, children. Like I think it's okay. Right. So, um, so I think it'll be fine. What what this also does, into your point, like what it does also is it gives you the opportunity to also draft a center guard who right. serves as depth for you. Um, and, and you always need depth on your offensive line, like in other, unless you're what, what year was it? The 2018 Rams, which is like the most rare case, like mm-hmm. of awesome offensive line play, right. um, and total health and everything, but you usually need depth. So like, I wouldn't be mad at them drafting early a great center guard and then having this guy develop in as sort of the long-term answer at center and then you solve your position um, and a huge corner piece of, of your offensive line for the next several years. And it also gives you flexibility if you're not desperate at that position or at that pick point, gives you some flexibility to then start making plans for what you're going to do someday at left tackle. Right, right. In 10 years from now, when, yeah. when Andrew Whitworth retires <laughs> In at, 10 Whitworths, at age 50. 10 Whitworths from now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think, Jordan, the, the, one of my takeaways here is whether it's free agency or the draft, I think we're going to learn a lot this offseason about what the Rams think of some of these guys who they have. Um, when, I, when I say that, I mean a Joe Noteboom or a David Edwards, a Brian Allen, an Austin Corbett, a Bobby Evans. 
Um, I, I think we're going to learn a little bit about how they view those guys and whether or not they view them as long-term starters or whether or not they view them as eh, their depth guys, their backups. Um, because all of those guys who I mentioned are either starters now or have been starters for the Rams in the past. And some of them have been kind of in and out. Bobby Evans got his shot because of injury and, and then Rob Havenstein won that job back. Joe Noteboom, of course, has been, you know, spot starting because of, of various injuries. Brian Allen in and out. Um, I think it's kind of time to make a decision on those guys. And, and if you don't feel like they are a part of your future, then it's time to address that either through the draft, like you said, um, or maybe even free agency if, if you want to make some type of, of upgrade there. Um, these guys have all been around now for about three years, uh, essentially, and that should be enough time. That should be enough time to figure out whether or not you think they're part of the future or not. Of course, that gets complicated now because, as you said, new offensive line coach. So do you? how do you approach that? Do you let the new offensive line coach work with some of these guys for a year to see what he can bring out of them? Maybe he's going to value different attributes than Aaron Cromer did. Maybe he'll even have a slightly different system. I, I don't know these things yet. So I, I think, it, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is I, I think we've kind of reached a, a, a transition or a fork in the road in terms of where they're going to go with some of these guys and, and what offseason moves they might make to reflect that. Well said. I have nothing to add. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. I think that like this spring certainly as well will tell us a lot um, in terms of, you know, if they if and when they can start actually working together in person. I think this that tells us a lot about Kevin Carberry and and sort of what qualities he sort of prioritizes. And then, you know, they're still in a little bit of a um, kind of a waiting period with with Andrew Whitworth. So lot, lots right. to figure out. And I think you don't if you have things to figure out in that regard and you have some answers, but not all of them, like you don't try to shake everything up along the line. Um, I think you just try to always go for as much continuity as possible. But yeah. then on the other side yeah. of the ball and starting up front, uh, you know, this is they are in such an interesting position on the defensive line as well, because you have obviously your stars and your starting players, Aaron, you know, your starting defensive tackles, Aaron Donald. Michael Brockers, Ashawn Robinson, they account for $42 million of your salary cap, mm. which yeah. also is kind of hilarious because uh, Ashawn Robinson's cap number is actually tiny. Right. Yeah, he's not the, uh, he's not the anchor on this one, that's for sure. No, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, it, it's really, um, yeah, so, so something that we need to get out of the way first and foremost is, like, they could – restructure Aaron Donald like this could happen right. um they're choosing like they're deciding who they're restructuring and guys are of course probably going to be thrilled to get bonuses and and then you still have incentive clauses and all that stuff and when you are Aaron Donald and you hit your in incentives every year then you probably are okay with that and so um that that part of it's going to be interesting um I am interested in what they do behind those guys yeah, you, you've you've got some, you know, Greg Gaines is a guy who's who's been interesting. I mean, he funny when he's made some gains. That's four, four. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, when he got drafted, it was almost like that there was so much talk around him and so much hype around him that he was almost penciled in to be a, a day one starter. And then it never really worked out that way. And, and you know, he's, he's been in and out and I think has played, you know, decently in, in some spot uh, efforts. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Sebastian Joseph Day is a guy who, who you feel really good about, I think. You feel good about his his long-term future. But yeah, that's, you know, that's when I look at a guy like Brockers and I think, yeah, you could do something there. You could cut him or whatever you want to do. But do you really want to when when you think about that front and, and how important he is? Uh, I, I just don't know. I, I don't think that's the right thing to do right now. Yeah, and, and like, could... If it's, you know, if you get a good return, like, okay, you, you know, I could see it. But, yeah. but I think again, like you might, like my, if I were the GM, my two, two of my priorities, I'd, I'd probably resign the center. I would probably, um, try to come to some agreement on something. We'll get to outside linebacker. I'd probably try to resign Leonard Floyd or, yeah. um, do the same thing the Rams are doing where they identify like a good quality, under the radar veteran who's cheap, but with a lot of upside right. who gets to play next to Aaron Donald. Um, and then I would, I would try to resign Morgan Fox. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he's one. become such a valuable player for him. And I don't know what that would mean for Michael Brockers, but I would absolutely um, try to resign Morgan Fox. Yeah, he's just one of those guys who you, you you look at him and you don't think, well, you know, this guy's not not that much of an impact player. But wow, does he just make plays? And uh, I think he's he's a versatile guy. He's he's productive when he gets in there. Uh, and yeah, I I don't see why you would not bring him back. I. I I, I, I'm hedging here. I mean, I don't think there's going to be a huge market for Morgan Fox, but but at the same time, uh, he, he's very valuable, and mm-hmm. you know he's just kind of stuck around. He's never been he's never really been a starter. He's never really had a huge role on the team, but but yet you see him pop up in so many plays, and and I just think if you can bring a guy like that back, I, I absolutely would. And I think that like because Morgan Fox can do so many different things now. Like he's an inside, he can be an inside or outside rusher at this point. And they've played him as such like in, in various fronts. And then if you go into four man fronts, he could have his hand in the dirt on the outside. If you're in a three man front, he could play on the inside or the outside. Like, I mean, it's really, you can do a lot of stuff with him. So I think that like one of the things is just because you are like for the sake of, of hypothesis, like if you bring back, um, both Ashawn Robinson and Michael Brockers, that doesn't mean that you can't line Morgan Fox up next to those guys because right. you can rotate him. If, if you've got a nose tackle or um, some of these interior linemen and you you kind of keep them in one or two spots, like you can orbit Morgan Fox around them in similar ways that you also can orbit Aaron Donald around them. Like this could be a very cheap way to continue to manufacture sack production when now you have a guy, Aaron Donald's always going to get the double teams. When you start to move Morgan Fox around and he hope, you know, would hopefully produce at the level he did by the end of the year last year, then you start to have attention attracted to him. Well, it just opens things up for your edge guys. It opens things up for your, your deep interior guys like Ashawn Robinson. Like all of it starts to work together. And so I think when you have not one but two really versatile guys, and, and no, I'm not calling – Morgan Fox, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is like, he's like on his own planet. Like, but, but when you have two guys who can be versatile in that way, 
um, they really help each other. And, and so I think that it would be a really interesting and, and in my opinion, a really neat plan to, to see both of them together. And then you, you're probably not sad as sad about, you know, not getting a guy like JJ Watt because you have Aaron Donald right. and then, you know, you, you're going to get another versatile guy who you could have lined up inside outside like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. So I, I have a lot more questions about the, the, the edge rusher spots because, um, yeah. you know, this is, and I go back and forth on this, Jordan. I, I'll admit I'm not real sure. Uh, obviously, Leonard Floyd uh, said to be a free agent, Samson Ebicom also said to be. Uh, a free agent. So they have a couple potential holes here. Jordan, like I I know we've talked about this and I, and I have agreed with you. Uh, but like I said, I, I go back and forth about Leonard Floyd and, and bringing him back and, and the importance of that. But the thing that I look at then again is the success they've had in going out and getting those guys and lining them up next to Aaron Donald and then abracadabra, they suddenly become, you know, double-digit sack guys. Now, I, I'm not saying you can go back to that well every single time, but, uh, you know, Leonard Floyd has played himself into a pretty big paycheck, probably much like Dante Fowler did a year ago. So is that the route do you want to go down? Do you want to go and spend that money to secure that guy? Or do you let him walk the way that they let Dante Fowler walk? and try to go find somebody the same way that they found those two guys. Uh, it, there's a little bit of a risk there because it's a really important position and you've got to get it right. And, and I don't know whether a Terrell Lewis, I, I, I really like his skill. He's having trouble staying healthy. He could not stay on the field for, for a big part of his rookie season. So I don't know how confident you feel about that. Oboe, another guy who uh, has flashed some potential but hasn't done it consistently. So I don't know, Jordan, do you do you pay a little bit more than maybe you might want to to keep that, uh, to keep what you know in Leonard Floyd? Or do you roll the dice a little bit and say, hey, maybe we can go find another bargain and use that money somewhere else? My pitch, if I were uh, less Sneed, my pitch would be to Leonard Floyd as weak we can only maybe pay you like 11 million, 12 million tops. Right. Um, we can give you heavy incentives because, you know, maybe we'll do some things by the middle of the year that we'll have a little extra money. Um, there's always ways that you can sort of like go into debt at that time, right. <laughs> pay in cash, things like that. Uh, the sting of all of these, this blockbuster trade will have worn off. So Stan Kroenke can like, open up the wallet again for some cash bonuses. Like you can incentivize some things. So my pitch to Leonard Floyd would be like, hey man, like we can't, we cannot give you what sort of the league would say that your multi-year market value would be. But what we can do is we can pay you a base that's under, but we can incentivize the crap out of it because if you play next to Aaron Donald, you probably know that you're going to hit those incentives. Right. And that we can work with. Those things we can manage. Like, we don't have to do that. That doesn't necessarily have to be on the book um, right now. And that's that's kind of my pitch. That would be my pitch to him. Um, but... If I'm and then and then my my pitch would also be like, hey, this is what happened to Dante Fowler, who right. was wildly successful when playing next to Aaron Donald, but then sort of um, went downhill uh, a little bit. And then um, but also, you know, then then you're, you're Leonard Floyd, and you're looking at it. And you're like, well, was Dante Fowler on a good team? They changed coaches, right. you know, all of this stuff happened. Right. So um, 
The interesting part to this is that obviously guys like Brandon Staley, who have coached Leonard Floyd multiple times before now with other teams who have lots of cap space. So maybe you test out and see what your options are there. Um, but, but if you have a better opportunity, um, to, to win your incentives, if they are offered to you, you know, it's, it's a tough call. It would be a tough call. And I hope that, um, Leonard Floyd, you know, does have a lot of autonomy and, and in making this decision, because I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here. I think Leonard Floyd was outstanding for them, not just because he produced, um, in the way that they thought and hoped that he would, but also he was just very, very good against the run. And right. he was, he just was a great teammate. Like he just, he just was like, just one of those guys that they just liked having around. Right. So right. I think, I think that was those, all those things were good. Now the Rams, if they, if he does hit free agency and I agree with you on all of the concerns about depth. And I know that Raheem Morris likes um, edge rushers with a lot of length and a lot of power. So that kind of rules out. Like I know Samson Embucam is set to test, you know, free agency might rule him out. Mm-hmm. Um, it might change some of the personnel that they do, that they use and that they sort of look for in the draft as well. Um, but you, you might need to go out and find another veteran edge rusher. And, you know, I, I've listed names over and over and over again, that are, that are guys who could be, um, those potential high upside guys, like, Romeo Aquara, Justin Houston, Trey Hendrickson, guys like that who, um, you know, it's such a weird year that they're, yeah. the market will be weird and maybe you have a chance with with a couple of those um, a couple of those names at, at lower dollar deals. And then here's a cool tidbit. They're actually not adverse to the idea of reuniting with Dante Fowler if he becomes a cap, a cap casualty yeah. and he gets cut, which I think is... I mean, that's kind of that would be kind of a no brainer, right? Because you already know what he could do for you when he's playing next to Aaron Donald. He knows the system. He knows Raheem Morris. Right. That would make a lot of sense. It really would. Yeah. <laughs> and and what a what a move, what a shrewd move that would be for for the Rams to to not pay Dante Fowler a year ago and and let him go and, and sign Leonard Floyd and and then to get Dante Fowler back. Uh, so right. Certainly. Get your ten and a half sacks and then bring back your your guy who's familiar. Yeah. yeah. No. I, I I think I think this is an area where we're going to see something. I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about the draft or re-signing your own guys, but I I, I feel like something's going to happen here in, in free agency. And maybe it's a blend. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a blend of of the draft and this. But yeah, Leonard Floyd. It'll be interesting. I I would expect him to go into the fogatiating period. Is that how you say it? What did I say? I don't know. Negotiating period, yeah. like f, n- like negotiating, but with like faux, like faux fur. Okay. All right. Did I did I just mansplain my no 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 I I was I was asking for it in 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 several ways Um, but uh, I I I think this is one that smells to me like he he goes into that to see what his market is and and I really don't know what it's going to be and and that's one of those where the uh, the weirdness of this off season probably is going to have a big uh, say in that now is, is somebody going to give. Leonard Floyd three or four years after what happened with Dante Fowler last year. I don't know. That could be a factor. And then you get into, well, if, if it's only a one-year deal that you're getting, then 
why wouldn't you stay with the Rams? Why wouldn't you just right. you know do what you did last year and play next to Aaron Donald and and put up another great season? And then twelve months from now, you can go out and get that three year deal that that you really want. So who knows? All it takes is one team. Maybe maybe there's a team out there that's really super high on Leonard Floyd and and is willing to to give him that money right now to give him that three year deal or whatever it might be. Uh, certainly within the realm of possibility, but but I do think that that's one that that will go into next week and uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I just it feels like it, Jordan. If not only yeah. for the for the reason that that you know you you have come up with a list of so many of those those good names, but uh, you know the Rams have done this before in, in signing Clay Matthews and and things like that, where they're they're not afraid to go out and and do something like that. So I I think there's yeah. a good possibility there. Yeah, and I don't. Um, I, I don't necessarily think this is like a superstar class of, of edge rushers in the draft. Like, I think you're more likely to find maybe a great development guy. And I really like the idea of double dipping. Like, I believe that outside linebackers where we're going to see maybe the highest investment that they make in this free agency year. And then I also think that they will double dip by getting some depth at edge rusher. And part of that is because you have Terrell Lewis, who is extremely productive, but will probably be playing limited snaps if they can't get the knee situation figured out. But if you double dip and you get another younger rotational player, um, that's actually great because then you can manage Terrell Lewis better in terms of his health and not sort of like sort of force him out there if, if his, if, if his knee isn't, you know, full go, or if he's not playing up to his, his normal standard and, and you can rotate him in efficiently with like a younger, pass rush specialist guy who is getting development experience who can ultimately mean, you know, mean for you that you can stop having to pay these veteran guys to come in. Like he can ultimately be a three down guy for you. So I think that there's, there's a couple of players who show that potential, but, but it's not like, um, at the Rams pick points, especially, I don't think that they're finding, you know, like, like, you know, you're, you're, 10 and a half sack replacement guy at 57 or something like that. So, um, but then also, you know, just like you have to like their secondary was so good last year and the, the pass rush and then the coverage complement are so crucial and so connected and, and sort of complementary to each other that like you're trying desperately to preserve similar, uh, facets of that while also understanding that it's not just the outside linebacker position that maybe you're concerned about, but like, let's talk about the secondary. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's going to be amazing though. I mean, John Johnson, uh, you talk about Leonard Floyd and, and I think it's a a little bit of the same thing there in terms of what's the market going to be like. I think that'll dictate a a lot of it. I, I tend to think there's going to be more of a market for, for John Johnson there, independent of whatever's going on with finances this year, the salary cap, um, I, I look, if I'm the chargers, for instance, with our, our old friend, Brandon Staley, uh, I, I'd feel pretty good about giving John Johnson a, a longer term contract, even, even if the financial situation is not ideal this year. So, uh, w- we'll see what happens there, but obviously Troy Hill, um, very underrated, uh, you know, cornerback over, over the last uh, couple of mm-hmm. years. And, and then of course, Darius Williams, Jordan, I don't know if you've had any questions about Darius Williams. <laughs> Uh, and and has anybody on Twitter asked you what what the Rams might do with Darius Williams? I'm performing like a social experiment here <laughs> because I haven't I've included my news on and my reporting on Darius Williams and how the Rams are going to tender him 
He's a restricted free agent. The Rams are going to tender him. I've included it in like several stories um, since November, actually. And right. and several people and like I see you and appreciate you all. Several people have caught on to it. And um, like so now have have sort of that knowledge entering free agency. But it's weird how it hasn't seemed to become like news because I haven't actually tweeted it out. Isn't that interesting how that works? Ah, that's odd. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's like it, they're going to tender Darius Williams. They don't have any intention of letting him leave. Uh, they really, really like him. And how could you not? Awesome player. Um, but the, the thing is, is like you also, to me, if you want to even come close to being able to unlock Jalen Ramsey in the way that you did uh, last year, in terms of just he he had so much movement autonomy, but part of the reason why you're able to do that is not only you have versatility in in John Johnson, and they have that they have some depth there, and they believe that Jordan Fuller could could call the defense like John Johnson did, um, and then you have depth at your other positions as well, but you also need a guy like Troy Hill who is yeah. super versatile and just is a do anything guy, and Jalen Ramsey talked so glowingly of Troy at the end of the season because he was like, listen, I probably couldn't have moved around as much as I did and, and covered so much of the field if I didn't also have Troy Hill um, who could move inside when needed, who could come back outside and was like playing two different positions in every game um, as a like sort of a, a lighter complement to Jalen Ramsey's like heavy autonomy in the secondary, right? So yeah. I think that that was such an interesting dynamic and something that they really need to look into. Like, They've got some decent depth elsewhere. Like David Long could be like a good smaller nickel for them. They're a nickel a lot. And then if they keep Brandon Staley's secondary concepts, they're going to be in nickel a lot. They're going to be in dime a lot. They're going to be in star a lot. So then you have like Terrell Burgess who could move into a bigger nickel package. Nick Scott um, who could do that. And you have obviously Taylor Rapp who can play a great um, sort of sure tackling safety role for you. Right. And so, but, but you might really want to find a guy who can take, like, I, I know they'd like to re-sign Troy Hill if it's, if it's team friendly. That's another guy Brandon Staley really likes. Yeah. Um, so, but, but you, you know, you'd like to sign Troy Hill to re-sign him. You might not be able to, in that case, you really need to find somebody who has that, that type of versatility. And then if, if they carry the same or similar scheme and some things could be different and we're still sort of workshopping through that and we'll hopefully be able to actually see some football soon so we can really workshop hmm. it. But there's going to be a blending of schematic concepts. And so this Brandon Staley's team is so secondary dependent. Obviously, it's dependent on Aaron freaking Donald and everything that he can do. Hmm. But on the back half, what they were able to do is so interesting. So if you're going to keep some of that um, and you're going to kind of have such a a standout top secondary in that regard – um, you know, you, you maybe can cover up some things that happen yeah. in the middle of the field. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to cover up some of the inside linebacker stuff next year. So yeah. where do they go at inside linebacker? Yeah, I, I wonder about that too. And I, really, I wondered about it a year ago and, and the yeah. Rams <laughs> really didn't, didn't do anything there. The, the one thing, and I know you mentioned it in, in your uh, latest piece too, Jordan, is you can't forget about Traven Howard. 
And uh, I know it's it's been a little bit out of sight, out of mind because he didn't get to play last year. But but he was a guy who at the end of that 2019 season, when when he stepped in and and you know I think he got a start there. He certainly played a lot in, in the last few games of the season. I was impressed. I, I thought that was a guy who could who could play NFL football. He could be out there. Uh, it's always a little bit different when you're the guy and when you're asked to to be a starter and things like that. But I would not sleep on him and his ability to to step in there. So that maybe mitigates a little bit of it. And then Jordan, I know another guy who you hear a lot about is, is Christian Roseboom, who we really have not uh, gotten a chance to see, uh, at least in, in regular season games, things like that. So um, there, there's a possibility there, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether this is the year where they finally, the, the Rams have not wanted to spend a lot of capital in, in terms of that inside linebacker position. When you even look at uh, some of the draft picks, I mean, Micah Kaiser was a fifth round pick. Troy Reader was undrafted. Uh, Traven Howard, seventh rounder. Uh, Kenny Young was kind of a, a, a throw in. I don't mean that to be rude, but I mean, he was kind of a, a throw in on the, the Marcus Peters trade. So they have not invested a lot of capital in, in that position over the last few years. I don't know whether necessarily that will change or not this year, but uh, it's certainly something they have to look at. Yeah. And a lot of that, I think, is dependent on Raheem Morris, too, because Brandon Staley comes in last year and like it's very clear, first of all, that they're not spending the resources on linebacker, but also that he believes as a part of how he moves his safeties and extra defensive uh, backs that you don't necessarily have to. So if that's a place where you absolutely need to save resources, which they did and weren't going to, um, you know, they, they bring in Terrell Lewis instead of a fourth round linebacker for inside linebacker, for example, and then you get the production out of him. And yeah, that's probably okay. That's probably okay last season, but you need, you maybe need to get, get a little bit more horizontal speed. And then you, you need like one touch tackling and, and like right. guys who can really, um, sort of hone in on some of that horizontal movement. Um, do you want to hear my Christian Roseboom conspiracy theory? <laughs> do I? Boy, do yes. you. Like, <laughs> How did we not start okay. the podcast with yeah. this? I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. This is for all the dedicated listeners who uh, I know you guys have also followed with fascination um, that Christian Roseboom story since training camp when um, the Rams were actually like pleasantly delighted and surprised by how well he can move because um, he's a big guy. So I, I like the idea of him with like a Traven Howard. And I also don't mind like Troy Reader, Mike Kaiser, Kenny Young, like they all flashed potential. Mm -hmm. So I think some of it too is like, can you build off of that? Can you do a little bit more, um, not just personally, but also schematically to maybe not have those issues, some of the tackling issues, I think as well. Um, okay, back to the good stuff. So Christian Roseboom, my theory, so everyone kept asking like, oh, they're so light at linebacker. And again, remember, guys, they kept only three active inside linebackers on the roster for most of the season. Right. And part of it, again, was, oh, and there were only two at certain times, like Troy Reader and Kenny Young. And part of that was because, again, Brandon Staley comes in, he's like, hey, um, I can scheme around this and like we'll move down. And then they had some issues because then they start getting light on safeties, too. But at some point you're like, hey, I'm going to move Taylor Rapp down and move Nick Scott down so we can have help here. And then that's going to be fine. John Johnson's going to play hybrid. Jalen Ramsey is going to play a hybrid linebacker role like they were scheming around it and, and they thought it was fine. OK, well, um, that's one reason that they never pulled Christian Rosenbaum up. Another reason is like what a guy to stash. 
Here's my conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. You don't you want to stash him so no one takes him away from you, especially this offseason sure. and especially before you could re-sign him to a futures deal, which they did. Like people were starting to at the, especially at the end of the year like starting to poach each other's players and now that, you know, the the final stretch is here, starting to try to get guys in-house into their own systems. And I think my one of my theories is like you already didn't have any tape on him because there was no training camp or or excuse me there was no preseason so you didn't have you didn't run that risk and my my deeper conspiracy theory is like even if you could have promoted him you just didn't want to because you didn't want any tape on him you didn't want any tape on him you don't want anyone just like snatching him off of your practice squad sure and then you also needed those roster spots for depth elsewhere, including three kickers at one point. So you you didn't want to bring up Christian Roseboom because you did not want to have another team be like, who the hell is that? Right. <laughs> like, right. that guy's pretty good. Why is he on the practice squad? So um, that's my, I mean, it's not super exciting, but that's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> but I'm really excited about like seeing what he and Traven Howard can do. It sounds like Traven Howard came through that meniscus surgery pretty well. So, um, so I think that's exciting. Yeah, indeed. I, I, I think there's something to that, Jordan. There absolutely is. So I, I, I want to see, I hope as, as weird as it sounds, I can't believe I'm speaking these words, but I, I really hope that we do get preseason games, uh, uh this year so that you can kind of see how these guys actually look. Uh, I will take it, man. I, know, right? I will take it. I will take, like, I'm going crazy right now with no football, <laughs> And like nothing. So I, this, you know, I cannot wait. I, I have not seen, I didn't get to watch spring football last year. Spring football is so much fun because you start to see concepts come in and all that stuff. So, you know, training camp preseason is not fun, but I will actually not one time complain about the preseason this year if I actually get to watch it in person yeah. that would be no, I, amazing I, I, I would I welcome that with open arms <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more there so yeah Jordan here we go right I mean here we go yeah it's it's uh, rumors week yeah you're, don't you're, believe everything like don't believe everything you hear guys right. let's stay sane out there right yeah and, <laughs> and along those lines uh, make sure you follow Jordan on Twitter at at Jordan Rodrigue um, try not to hit her with too many weird, uh, conspiracy, uh, trades or, or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting time. And, and really, uh, you know, since the Rams have been back here, since I've been around them the last five years, I mean, just a fascinating, uh, period around the league. I have no idea what's going to happen with some of these players or what the, what the, the contracts are going to look like, but we're going to find out really soon here and, and we'll be back with you next week. Uh, to to see what happened, to see what what starts uh, happening with some of these agreements and and some of these signings and some of these cuts. Uh, maybe it'll be really busy. Maybe it won't. But uh, make sure you follow along with Jordan uh, at the Athletic. And uh, Jordan, I'll, I'll flip the script on you this week uh, because you know <laughs> that if you sign up for the Athletic, and especially if you do so through our eleven personnel page, theathletic.com slash eleven personnel, what do you get my favorite thing in the world a discount <laughs> you get a great discount because we are always offering um discount deals off of your yearly athletic subscription if you subscribe to the athletic.com through the 11 personnel podcast and also if it's not too much trouble we would love it if you went and gave us a rating on itunes uh we would love it if you guys left us a review we read all of them 
Uh, Rich has only, I think, posted one up on his dartboard and thrown darts at it. Uh, now my face, my face has replaced it. So um, you guys go and leave us, uh, leave us some notes, leave us some inside jokes. We really, really love um, interacting with y'all, and we appreciate all of our listeners. Um, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>